unfortunately for you, that's what you're going to get, is you're going to get the progression, because as I've been reading, I've been reading through the Bible. So I'm going to draw off of what I've been reading whenever I get the opportunity to preach. So uh, last time, I believe I preached um, about Caleb and Joshua, and um, now I've read through Deuteronomy. Uh, Deuteronomy was... um, it's a hard book to understand. Um, there's a lot in it, uh, I, a lot of great information. Um, but what I can tell you about the book of Deuteronomy is Moses wrote it preparing the new generation. So remember, the Israelites are in the wilderness. The older generation is um, disobedient. They're lacking faith in God. Um, they send out the scouts, the 12 scouts scout out the land. And only two of them come back with a favorable report. The other ten lie and say, we don't want to go in there. There's giants. And, and so God says, okay, because of your unfaithfulness in God, the Israelites, the, the older generation, we're going to wander for 40 years for them to die off. Okay, so Deuteronomy was written as a reminder of the law to the younger generation. Okay, so... Um, it repeats a lot of um, the law that's in um, Exodus and Leviticus. But throughout the whole, I, I would say Deuteronomy is a book of articulating the importance of obedience. Okay? And many, many times in Deuteronomy, um, God warns the younger generation of going into this new land of staying away from idols and not taking things in from the foreign land, okay? And so he warns many times. And, and one of the scriptures I used a couple weeks ago on a Wednesday night was that he's a jealous God, he's a consuming fire, okay? And that same passage later says he's a merciful God. And so we're seeing the, the development of God, his characteristic, he's a jealous God, he doesn't want any other gods before him, but he is merciful. And even in their disobedience, He's faithful. And so I look at Deuteronomy like parenting. And, and um, Jason Williamson brought this up when we were reading through. It's like parenting. And, and if you're a parent, you understand this. You expect your kids to be obedient to you. But when they are disobedient to, the, to you, you don't disown them. You love them. You still love them even in their disobedience. And that's how I look at the book of Deuteronomy. It's, it's saying, I expect obedience from you. When you enter this land, I expect obedience. But when you're disobedient, I expect you to be repentant and re- return to the Lord, and the Lord is merciful. And when you return, he will show mercy on you. And so that's Deuteronomy. So God really stresses the the idolatry and, and having the mixture of this new world they're about to enter. Okay, so now we were, we're reading Joshua and Judges, and so as I'm reading Joshua, they're entering this new, this promised land. And I, I compare the Israelites' journey a lot to our Christian walk, okay? And so as I've been reading the Old Testament, I, I, I can't help but see the correlations between the Israelites and myself, okay? Um, Over and over again, our lack of faith in God. You know, how many times did God prove himself to the Israelites, and yet they still 
doubted him? Why did you bring us out of Egypt? And, and how many times do we do that? We doubt God, even though he's proven himself time and time again. You know, God sent them into the promised land and told them, I'm giving the land to you, but you're going to have to go take the land. Okay, so they were constantly in battle and they're fighting these battles. And so they win one battle and then they're on to the next battle. And, and I think about myself and that's how I am in my Christian walk. I feel like every time I finally get through something spiritually, I'm at the beginning of another battle spiritually. And, and I feel like the Israelites, you know, they conquer one city and now they're at the next city and they're at the, um, the, the different groups of people they were trying to conquer. And that's how I feel spiritually is, you know, I'll get through something spiritually. It might, um, might be this spiritual battle here. And then a month later, I'm fighting another battle. And I know I've heard Pastor Joe say many times that, you know, he thought after 40 some years of being saved, he'd be on top of a mountain just living great. But we constantly fight these battles. And that brings to the next point. The Israelites are going into the promised land, which God gave to them. But in the entire Old Testament, they never fully possessed it. There was always someone they were fighting. They still haven't fully possessed it. And that's like us, spiritually, we, we will not, we'll, we'll never beat our flesh. We'll never fully beat our flesh until we enter into eternity. And so, even in their disobedience, they're still God's chosen people. And as I'm reading this, and I'm gonna read a lot of scriptures, so, so please stay with me. I just wanted to lead up to that, that. As we're reading this, think about how it applies even in our life, okay? So this is the story of the Israelites entering the promised land. But think about the spiritual journey that you're on and your walk with God and how the scripture applies. So we're gonna start with Joshua chapter six. And this is the story of Jericho. So Israel, Joshua has already sent out some spies. He's met with uh, Rahab. Um, they've come back, and now we're at the point where the Israelites are going to go take the city of Jericho. So verse, uh, verse 1, chapter 6, it says, Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, and all you men of war, you shall go around the city once. This you shall do for six days. And so he's telling, God is commanding them what to do. You're going to walk around the city once a day for six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. So they're supposed to walk once a day for six days. On the seventh day, they're going to walk around the city wall seven times on the seventh day. Okay. And it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Then Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Proceed and march around the city. 
and let him who is armed advance before the ark of the Lord. And I think it's important to note that they're taking the ark because the ark is where God is, okay? They're going to Jericho with God. The Israelites aren't doing this alone. They're taking the ark of the covenant and they have the priests following the armed men to Jericho. And so they're taking God with them. See, this is evidence that they're not doing it on their own. And it's important to note that because when we get to a later situation, they try and do do it on their own. And I can't help but think of myself and the times when I have gone with God and I said, you know what? I'm not doing this on my own. God, you you have to do this. God, go with me. And when we go with God, we see the success in how well things go when we take God with us. Verse 7, and he said to the people, proceed and march around the city and let him who is, um, is armed advance before the ark of the Lord. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horn before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priest who blew the trumpets and the rear guard came after the ark. While the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout. Then you shall shout. And so these are the commands that the Israelites are to follow. Okay? And as we go through this story, we see that they're they're obedient. They're extremely obedient to the commands. For six days, as they're walking around the city, they're not to say anything. They're not to talk. Not a word. He said, don't even make a a noise with your voice. And so these are very specific commands from God passed down through Joshua. So he had the ark of the Lord circle the city, going around it once. Then they came into the camp, and they lodged in the camp. So on the first day, they walk around the city. They have the Ark of the Covenant. God goes around the city, comes back to camp with them. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the Ark of the Lord. The seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord went on continually and blew uh, with the trumpets. And the armed men went before them. But the rear guard came after the Ark of the Lord while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. And the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to camp. So they did for six days. And so the Israelites are obedient. They do what God has instructed them to do for the uh, the six days. But it came to pass on the seventh day, they rose early about uh, the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On On that day, only they marched around the city seven times. In the seventh time, it happened when the priests blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you this city. Now, the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction. It and all who are in it, only Rahab, the harlot, shall live, and she and all who are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And you, by all means, abstain from accursed things, lest you become accursed. When you take the accursed things and make the camp of Israel curse and trouble it. And so one of the instructions of Joshua was, don't take anything. Don't take the accursed thing. Now, 
The reason I pointed out what Deuteronomy was about was because God, or Moses said that, that God had instructed, uh, instructed time and time and time again, don't take things from these people unless you're instructed to because God didn't want them to take, what God didn't want is he didn't want those people, uh, the Israelites, to go in and learn the ways of the Canaanites and the Amorites. He didn't want them to get mixed in with them. So he didn't want them to take their stuff, start worshiping their idols, start worshiping their uh, statues made of wood and gold. And so he was very, very upfront with that. Hey, stay away from this stuff. Well, he reminds them as they go to take uh, Jericho, stay away from the accursed things. Don't take anything for yourself. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are uh, consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted and the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And so when we read this story, we can see how obedience to God is success, right? The Israelites, the point of them going into the promised land is to take it over. And so they're going to take um, the promised land. They go into Jericho. Jericho was a walled city. And they thought, there's no way for us to to take over the city. They're, they're, They're heavily fortified. How can we take the city? Well, they listened to the word of God. They did what God told them to. And the walls fell down flat. Pretty simple, right? God gave them instructions. They followed those instructions there was success in God, okay? And how many times have you seen that in your life? That God tells you, hey, whoa, whoa, don't go there. You don't go there. You're blessed because of your obedience. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man, woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey with the edge of the sword. But Joshua had said uh, to the two men who had spied out the country, go into the harlot's house and from there bring out the woman and all that she has as, she, as you swore to her. All the young men who had been spies, and, sorry, and the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. So they brought all of her relatives and they left outside the camp of Israel. But they burned the city and all that was in it with fire. Only the silver and the gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua spared Rahab, the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers who Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Then Joshua charged them at the time saying, "'Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds the city of Jericho.'" He shall lay the foundation with his firstborn, and with his youngest he shall set up the, its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout all the country. And it's important to note that the Lord was with Joshua. At this point, Joshua has favor of God. Everything he's doing with Jericho, he's doing with God. God is doing. It's not Joshua and Joshua's might. It's not Chase and Chase's might. Right? And, and that's, we have to live in that manner of obedience that we're not doing it in our own power. We're doing it through 
God and God's power. Because I know that Chase can't be obedient. I'm going to fail. My flesh is going to fail, right? But the children committed a trespass regarding the accursed thing. And so we start chapter 7. There was disobedience. And the problem with this disobedience is the Israelites start to do things in their own power because now they don't have the favor of God. Verse one, but the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerhad of the tribe of Judah, took the accursed things, so the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. They were specifically instructed not to take the accursed things. And in this case, it's gold and silver and a fine uh, garment of linen. And so he, Achan takes something he's not supposed to take. And because of that, the Lord's anger is kindled towards all of Israel. And I think about my spiritual walk. Again, when I look at myself and, and, and how I relate to the Israelites, there can be one area of my life that's not in line with the word of God and it affects everything that I do. And see, Achan, his sin affected the entire camp of Israel. And it's the same thing in our life. It might just be one small little area that we're holding on to, but it affects everything else that we do spiritually. It affects the people we talk to and the relationships that we have. Now Joshua sent men and see, um, in, in the book of Joshua chapter seven, we get the note that Achan had committed a trespass, but we don't see the impact of that yet. We have to read on to see the impact of his disobedience. Because, because of his disobedience, now the Israelites are doing things in their own power. And I want you to notice that when they go into AI, they go in alone. They don't take the Ark of the Covenant. They don't go with God. And see, we do that, uh, I do that, and I assume you probably do too. We have spiritual battles, we overcome, we overcome them through God, and we go, I've been here before, I can do this, right? And we like get all confident. And, and I'm convinced that God wants us to go through those battles to show us that we have to rely on this. We have to rely on the word of God. We have to rely on him that we can't do it ourselves. Verse two, now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth-Avon, on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them saying, go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, do not let all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Do not weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. And see, the Israelites are not going with God. They have a victory in Jericho. They were obedient to God in Jericho. Then we have the disobedience of Achan, and then they're doing things in their own power. They have this, it's almost an arrogance about them. You know what? Don't send everyone just only send about two or 3,000. There's not very many people in AI. We can take this city. And notice that it's, it's about them and what they can do 
And at no point, as we read on, did they take the Ark of the Covenant. They didn't go with God. They didn't take the presence of God with them to AI. They wanted to do it on their own. And see, the disobedience of Achan is what causes the Israelites to operate in this arrogance. So about 3,000 men went up from the people, um, went up there from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. They fled. Those 3,000 people went to attack the city of Ai, and they fled. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men, for they chased them uh, from before the gate as far as Shebarim, and struck them down on the descent. Therefore, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. And so 36 people die because of the disobedience of Achan and because the Israelites are operating in their own strength. See, they send, oh, just take two or 3,000 men. There's not very many people in AI. They don't take the Ark of the Covenant. They don't take God. And 36 Israelites die as a result. And I can't help but look at, in my own life, how my disobedience has impacted other people. You know, the, the, the disobedience of Achan impacted those 36 people's lives because they didn't have the spirit of God and the power of God working with them when they went to AI. And I can't help but think of how important it is for us to be obedient to God. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. And he and the elders of Israel, and uh, they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all? To deliver us into the hands of the Amorites? To destroy us? Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. So Joshua is saying, if we would have just been content on the other side, the other side's the wilderness where they wandered for 40 years. He, at this point, wants to go back because he, he feels that that would have been better than to suffer defeat at the hand of the Amorites. O oh Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all its inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off our name from the earth. Then what will you do with your great name? So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things and have stolen and deceived and they have also put it among their own stuff. And so Joshua then gets the revelation that the reason you suffered at AI was because some people among you have stolen, they took of the accursed things, and they're, they're lying and being deceitful. Not to mention, what Achan stole was supposed to go into the treasury of the Lord. He stole from God. He stole gold and silver. That was supposed to go into the treasury of the Lord. And he took it and hid it in his tent. Verse 
Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemy, because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed from among you. Get up, sanctify the people, and say, Sanctify yourselves tomorrow, because thus says the Lord God of Israel. There is an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. And again, I can't help but think of myself and my spiritual walk with God. How often do we hold on to things? And, and, and as we read, we'll find out that Achan had hidden this underneath, uh, underneath the dirt in his tent. He knew it was wrong. He knew what he had done was wrong. He dug a hole in his tent, buried it, and tried to bury his sin. And said, you know, we'll just leave it here. We'll cover it up. But because of his disobedience and because he sinned, 36 people died. They didn't uh, take over the, the, the city of Ai, which we will see in chapter 8. They do. God is merciful. God is faithful. God does what he says he'll do. He gives them the land that he promised. But it's a longer route. And that's what disobedience does. Disobedience causes us, instead of going from point A to point B, like God wants us to do, like the city of Jericho, when you look at Jericho, he told them what to do. They did it. The walls fell. But when you're disobedient, it's like a a banana, you know? You take the long way from point A to point B. Eventually, God will get there because he's faithful and he's merciful and he's doing what he wants to do. But it takes a lot longer to get there. <clears throat> 13. Get up, sanctify uh, the people, and say, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, uh, because thus says the Lord God of Israel, There is an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that uh, the tribe which the Lord takes shall come according to families, and the family which the Lord takes shall come according to households, and the household which the Lord takes shall come man by man. So he says, listen, I'm going to take your tribe, I'm going to take your families, I'm going to take your households, and then I'm going to find out who this person is, man by man, who has the accursed thing. So essentially, judgment is coming upon the house of Israel, and we're going to find who has the accursed thing. So Joshua rose early in the morning and he brought Israel by their tribes and the tribe of Judah was taken. So we know that the sin was in the tribe of Judah. He brought the clan of Judah and he took from the family of the Zarhites and he brought the family of the Zarhites man by man and Zabdi was taken. Then he brought the household uh, man by man and Achan the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah and the tribe of Judah was taken. Now Joshua said to Achan, My son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession to him and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. And they are hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent. And there it was hidden in his tent with the silver under it. 
And they took them from the midst of the tent and brought them to Joshua and all the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord. Then Joshua and all of Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zarha, the silver, the garment, the wedges of gold, the sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them into the valley of Accor. Now that's a very important scripture because they took everything related to Achan out of the the camp. Everything. And got rid of it. And I want you to think about your personal life and your personal walk with God. And when there's sin in your life, you can't hold on to a little piece of it. You have to get rid of all of it. Everything related to it. I'll I'll give a confession. I don't have Facebook. It's deactivated because I have a tendency to say mean things and especially about political things. And, And it's something that God and my wife convicted me of. So I can try and do it in my own power, which is keep Facebook and say, Chase, you are strong enough not to say something mean. But Carrie can tell you that that doesn't last very long. It doesn't last very long before somebody says something that just irks me the right way and I, I, I have to school this person. And it's just like, it's, it is a pride thing and then it takes me away from my family. It takes me, it just, I'm absent because I'm so focused on something that is, that is pointless. Now, why am I telling you that? Because I can't just keep Facebook because if I keep it, I'll get on there and then someone will say something and I don't have the willpower. So I have to get rid of it all. Does that make sense? And it's the same thing with Aiken and his family. You might say, well, what did his daughters do? What did his family do? They were a part of it. They're related. What did his sheep and his oxen do? They were part of the sin. And that's how God works. In our lives, we can't hold on just to part of it. You know, like when God calls a sin out in your life, you have to get rid of it all. And you have to get to the root of the the sin. And you have to get to the cause and the things that cause the sin. And you have to root those things out. It's almost like a vehicle that you're trying to restore. You can't just drill out the little rust patch that you see because if you sanded it back, you would see that that rust patch is probably a lot bigger. You have to cut the whole thing out. Just cut it out and get rid of it. And in Matthew chapter 5, this is what Jesus says to do. We're going to start with uh, verse 27. You've heard that it was said of, the old, of, of those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in, her, in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. So Jesus says, 
if your eye's causing you to sin, you're not going to tame that eye. Pluck it out. You've got to get rid of the cause of the sin. Right? And that's what the Israelites were called to do. They were called to root out all of Achan. Everything connected with Achan. They had to, everything, took it all out. You have to get rid of the cause of the sin. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it's more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And so Jesus says, cut off your right hand if it's going to cause you to sin. And so the point of him saying that is you have to get to the root of the sin and cut it off there. We have to be, that's, that's how we have to be obedient. And when God calls us to cut those things out, we have to cut the whole thing out. Verse 24, Joshua seven twenty-four. Then Joshua and all of Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver and the garment and the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had, and brought them to the valley of Accor. And Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones, and they, uh, and they had burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones still to there to this day. So the Lord turned his fierceness of his anger. Therefore, the name of that place has uh, been called the Valley of Accor to this day. And it's important because God turned his anger from the Israelites at that point. Because the sin, the evil in the camp, was gone. Now, chapter 8, back to Ai. Now the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid nor dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and arise and go up to Ai. See, I've given you, um, I've given it into your hand, the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only the spoils and its cattle you shall take as booty for yourselves, lay an ambush on the city behind it. And so God actually instructs them, you can take stuff from the city of Ai. See, he gives them instructions that they can. Um, But the beginning of chapter 8 is what should have happened in the beginning of chapter 7 had the Israelites been obedient. And see, that's what disobedience does. Disobedience makes us take the long way to the end point. And I can't, I can't help but remember multiple times in my life, and I know I preached on one, which was when I knew God was telling me to stop coaching football, and I just kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off, um, until I was forced into submission. Um, and that was a harder conversation to have than if I would have been faithful and obedient to begin with. And see, with God... He knows where he wants us. He knows what he wants to do in our lives. He knows how he wants to work through us. Our, our job is to be obedient to him. And when we're disobedient, he's still going to do what he wants with us, use our lives how he wants to use them. It just might take us longer to get there. And so God was merciful and faithful to the Israelites after the sin was out of their lives. And, and I, again, I can't help but think of my own self. And, and again, there might be one corner of my life that I'm not 
uh, I'm not living obedient to God and it's affecting everything else that I do. And until I get that one corner uh, dealt with God and in line with the word of God, I'm not gonna have uh, success in God. Um, If you will turn to Judges chapter 16, just real quick. Um, so this is a story of um, Samson you know Samson uh, he was told not to cut his hair um, and that's not judges so he had made a vow to God that he wouldn't um, drink strong drink and that he would not cut his hair and made the Nazarite vow. And so we're gonna pick up in verse four. It says, after, uh, after it happened, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came to her and said to her, entice him and find out where his great strength lies. And by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to aff- afflict him, and every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So they come to Delilah and they say, hey, find out his secrets because he's destroying our people. He's coming through and he's wreaking havoc. Now, you and I know that he's doing that through the power of God because as long as he had kept up his vow with God, he had his strength. Verse six, so Delilah said to Samson, please tell me where your great strength lies and with uh, what, your, uh, what you may be bound to afflict you. And Samson said to her, if they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings, not dried, and she bound him with them. Now, men were lying in wait, staying with her in the room, and she said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson, but he broke the bowstrings as a strand of yarn breaks when it touches fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. Then Delilah said to Samson, look, you have mocked me and told me lies. Now please tell me what you may be bound with. So he told her, if they bind me securely with new ropes that have never been used, then I should be weak and be like any other man. Therefore Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them and said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson, and the men were lying in wait, staying in the room, but he broke them off his arms like a thread. Delilah said to Samson, until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me what you may be bound with. And he said to her, if you weave seven locks of my head into the web of the loom. So she wove it tightly with the the batten of the loom, and said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and pulled out of the batten of the web from the loom. And then she said, how can I say I love you? How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me with uh, these three times and have not told me where your heart, where your great strength lies. And it came to pass when She pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. 
that he told her all his heart and that he told her all his heart and said to her, No razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me. I shall become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hand. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man, and he shaved off the seven locks of his head, and then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from the, his sleep and said, I will go out before at the other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. And see, it's important to note that the Lord had departed from Samson. Now he's trying to do everything in his own strength, and he can't do anything. And his disobedience to God made the Spirit of God leave him. And then he's just trying to do it in his own strength. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. And they bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder in the prison. And that's not what God had for Samson. That's not what God wanted for Samson. He was a great warrior and God used him as a warrior and gave him great, great strength. But I want to point out the end of Samson's life because he was disobedient. His life was altered because of his disobedience, but God is still merciful to him in the end. God is faithful and God still had a plan for Samson even though he was disobedient. Verse 25, and so it happened when their hearts were merry that they said, call for Samson that, that he may perform for us. So they called Samson from the prison and he performed for them and they stationed him between the pillars. Then Samson said uh, to the lad who held him by the hand, let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and women on the roof watching while Samson performed. Then Samson called to the Lord. And see, it's again important to note that Samson called to the Lord. See, he knew that his strength was through God. And he knew if he called upon the Lord that the Lord is faithful. Again, going back to Deuteronomy, it's like parenting. When my kids are disobedient, it angers me. It frustrates me. But if Annabelle's hurt and she calls, I'm going to come running. And that's the heart of God. When his children call, he comes running. And so Samson called to the Lord saying, Oh Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once. Oh God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the middle of the pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on his right and the other on his left. And then Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he uh, pushed 
with all his might, and the temple fell on the Lord's and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. And see, God still used Samson how God wanted to use Samson, which was to take out uh, the Philistines and the enemies that they were fighting. And God's faithful. And God showed mercy on Samson in the end because he gave him his strength back. But he had to call upon the name of the Lord. And so, um, as the booth plays some music and, and the lights turn down, I don't know where this message found you. Um, I know for me, um, I struggle sometimes because I want to do it in my own strength. Even being obedient, I want to be, you know, I, I, can, I can do this, God. Yep, I, I can stay uh, true to your word. I can, be, uh, I can live according to your word. And, and so many times I falter, and all I can do is call upon the name of the Lord. And he's merciful. And he's faithful. And he expects obedience out of me. And that's the goal he wants for me. But all I can do is call upon the name of the Lord. And he's faithful and merciful to me. And so, as the uh, booth plays music, the altars are open.